Star jump sequence terminates, Captain. Get the gravitational dampers online and open the blast aye, shield. Aye, sir. Bring us in closer. Aye, aye, sir. Moving us in on sublight drive. Extreme magnification. Aye, sir. The center of the galaxy. And there's our black hole. The experience of a lifetime, Captain. Let me put this on audio. We should be able to hear the magnetic resonance field. This is it, ladies and gentlemen. The edge of time and space where the impossible can happen. Welcome to the event horizon. Good evening, or morning, or afternoon, whatever is relevant for the part of the world you are in. Indeed, welcome to the Event Horizon, where the impossible happens. Join us each week at this time for a journey into science fiction, fantasy, and science fact in all their forms. I'm your host, Gene Turnbow, founder and station manager for Krypton Radio, and uh, I have a special show for you today. Today we're talking about... Um, the abuses of... I'm, I'm... You know what? I'm winging this. I never wing it. It never works. Alright, let me try that again. <laughs> I'm Gene Turnbow, station manager for Krypton Radio, and we've got a special show for you today. Of course, we always have a special show for you. But this evening, we have uh, Dr. Rebecca Housel, the pop culture professor, uh, who is author of many books on popular culture. Um, she's an American author and editor and uh, feminist... Uh, I'm sorry. If, <laughs> rented teeth. <laughs> Rebecca Housel is an American author and editor and feminist scholar known for her work in popular culture, philosophy, film, medical humanities, and you're also an author of uh, young adult and middle grade fiction. And, uh, she is listed in the Directory of American Poets and Writers, uh, a sponsored member of the National Association of Science Writers by Prevention Magazine's uh, Rebecca Sklut and environmental writer Sharon Levy. Uh, she is known online as the pop culture professor and has been quoted in Los Angeles Times and USA Today. And she has been on the Event Horizon once before. Uh, we also have with us Christine Sherry, who is the producer and uh, producer and motivating force. And I'm going to edit this so heavily you won't believe how good this is going to sound when it comes out <laughs> the other end. The uh, behind the Corsair's closet, which is Krypton Radio's Doctor Who cosplay radio program. And on the other line, we have. Uh, Tina Bate I'm sorry say your name then I'll say it and I'll edit that part out Tina Baychock Baychock Tina Baychock yes and on the other line we have Tina Baychock who is oh, oh, oh shoot you know this is stupid alright I'm going to be do editing a lot of this uh, <laughs> Tina uh, you are the founder of this backup ribbon project or What's your role yes. in it? Yes, I am one third of it. You're one third of it, okay. <laughs> if you could cut a ribbon into thirds. 
Yes. And with us on the other line is Tina Baychok, the co-founder of the Backup Ribbon Project. Welcome to the show, everyone. Ah, finally got the introductions out of the way. I so suck at ad lib. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thank you. Awesome. So let's start. Uh, let's start with you, Tina. Tell us about the Backup Ribbon Project and how you became involved, what it is, and how you became involved with it. Well, what it actually is, is it is sort of my own offshoot of a larger project that got started online, um, which is the, it's got a huge, big, long name, the um, <clears throat> Open Source Women's Back Each Other Up Project which was actually done in response to an incident that happened at a convention in the Midwest several years ago where a bunch of fans who were attending there decided that they wanted to go around asking other women if it was okay if they could feel their breasts. And... Yeah, that was actually referred to as the Open Source Boob Project. So the Women's Backup Project came about in response. And one of the things with it is that because it was considered to be open source, that you could do whatever you wanted. Uh, my concept was that I came up with badge ribbons because fans love badge ribbons. And it basically says backup in nice big letters. It's purple, so you kind of can't miss it. Um, and the basic concept behind it is that if you have one of these ribbons and you were, you know, it's on your badge and you're showing it, what that means is that if you see somebody else that is being harassed, that you will go ahead and help them out any way that you can, any way that you feel comfortable in doing so. Um, and it's, although it's sad to say that it's mostly women that end up being the target of harassment, um, my philosophy has always been that this is really for anybody. I don't care about the gender. I don't care about sexual orientation. I don't care about how the person presents. Um, if you feel that you need it, then somebody who has one of these ribbons will step up and, and help out. That's the basic concept. And who are, the, who are your co-founders? Uh, my co-founders is one of my very good friends from long, long time ago, uh, Dr. Bill Ernahazi, who lives on the East Coast. And we just added our social media guru, who is an amazing woman by the name of Donna Pryor, who's very involved in women in gaming, which is it's whole a whole other area which has had a lot of problems with uh, harassment. Um, and she's going to be handling more of our social media end of things. Dr. Housel, have you been uh, have you been active in this arena yourself? Have you? Well, this is very interesting because um, there was recently a it went viral on Twitter. It was a uh, I think it was from Upworthy. It was a video that had women and girls who were at Comic Cons, basically gamers and others. Yes. Who are holding up signs. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yes. Basically saying I've been a gamer for my whole life, but but the guys that I that I talk to don't don't think so because I'm a woman. They think it's because of my boyfriend, and and so this is this is a very prevalent issue. Oh, the fake geek girl thing. It, uh, exactly. It's such a just like what the what the heck? You know, I I I looked at that thing, and I I don't know from my perspective. I don't even understand this as a concept. I mean, how, how can you be a fake <laughs> geek? You, you, well, that, uh, that's my my, uh, my fellow Wizard World colleague and, and guest, Will Wheaton, uh, was part of that video. And, yes. and he is 
huge. They saw huge. that. Yeah, he's really awesome. a huge advocate for it. No, he really is. He's he's quite an amazing guy, and and he's yeah. a huge advocate for equality. And I think he just sort of gets that difference is not deficient. Yeah. Um, just because women do things differently, just because games are marketed towards men and yeah. boys, does not mean that we don't like that. There was another impress- There was another impressive, uh, noteworthy name on there: John Kovalik, the author of Dork, yes. Dork Tower. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I was very and glad he, to see him in it. He has he has sworn off uh, comic cons that don't have a harassment policy. Yeah, good for him. And so is John Scalzi. Yes, right. very notably, John Scalzi. That should start to yes. get the message across, if nothing else. I I think so. And and part of what I think is an issue is a lot of the the incidents have occurred at at independent comic cons like New York and San Diego. Um, are you finding that's the case? Oh, I, that was for me, I guess. Um, you know, actually, I've had people <clears throat> from, you know, more traditional conventions like Lost Con or OriCon or WorldCon, all the way out to Dragon Con and Comic Con, have been asking for ribbons and have come back to me with stories about, you know, how they happened to be able to use them to help out. So. I really honestly can't say that I think that it's, you know, a, well, it's only those types of conventions because I, I don't see that anymore. I think it's much more, it's much more endemic in the geek culture overall. I see what you're saying. And because I, at Wizard World, I mean, I've gone to all the different comic conventions as well. And I personally like Wizard World conventions the best. I chose to work with them because they really, I just don't see that happening a lot of times. Like, I really haven't seen it happen. It doesn't mean it doesn't, but I haven't seen it or experienced it myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the thing that I really like about them is that because they're a national organization, they really keep a tight lid on things like that. And, and it seems to be really pretty well done. And a lot of the professional cosplayers seem very comfortable and come back again and again. And... Uh, so that's sort of what I'm wondering about with the independence. I've seen more bad behavior when I'm there, um, mainly because it's 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 independently run. There's different leadership. It's not consistent. I, and I also think it depends on whether or not they have a harassment policy in place. Um, right. I was very, very pleased to see this year that Dragon Con, for the very first time, has a very comprehensive harassment policy in place. <laughs> um, yeah, Dragon Con, finally this year, this is the first year they've done it, they have a harassment mm-hmm. policy in place, and it's very comprehensive, and I'm thrilled because that has been one convention that has had a lot of problems. Um, so I think once the committee, Con committee gets aware enough of that harassment is an issue that they want to put in place, a very comprehensive policy, I think then you start to see that as a result, the attendees become more aware and you don't see as many problems. Hmm. One of the things that I've noticed about the the entire situation is that it's very, very difficult to frame this in a way that guys will understand it because in a lot of cases, uh, the costumes that are being replicated that right. are that are is, I will say f- without a better phrase to apply to it uh, that ha- are an attractive nuisance. 
for yeah. this sort of problem. <laughs> well, perhaps uh, there's a way that they can understand this um, gene at all. I'm actually looking at something that was posted on Facebook, Anime Expo, uh, LA Convention Center, July 13th this year. They became aware of um, an unauthorized, inappropriately hidden camera video that was posted uh, yes. to YouTube. They said they had opened a case with the Los Angeles Police Department. If um, these inappropriate geeks don't understand, uh, go away, don't bother me, stop touching me, maybe they'll understand it when it's framed by the local authorities. Yeah, that's a good yeah. one. I mean, that's terrific. I think, too, what you were saying, Jean, in a very nice, diplomatic, politically correct way, <laughs> I mean, frankly, I'm a female, and I'm just going to say it. When a woman walks around, even though it's 2013 in the 21st century, but when you walk around in a skin-tight costume with your breasts hanging out, you are going to get comments, especially from the attendees at Comic-Con who are notoriously, uh, as we say, the geek culture. We call it the geek culture, and certainly not everybody there is this way, but you happen to have a lot of uh, sort of socially challenged individuals who are all in one place. And when you have a beautiful woman in a skin-tight costume and stuff hanging out, you are going to get comments. It, it's it's like it's it, like uh, it's like having it. pizza and expecting people like putting yeah. a hot pizza on the table, expecting people not to look at it and say, "Oh, that smells good. Can I have a piece?" <laughs> <laughs> my, <laughs> my local fan circles call this a severe lack of social potty training. <laughs> <laughs> Um, there was actually an interesting article that I came across online, which, and it was, I think the girl was at New York Comic Con, but I don't remember. Yes, uh, this is 23-year-old Mandy Caruso you're talking about. She was dressed up as Marvel's Black Cat. Right. Said, that, yep. Yeah, that was one incident, but I think this was another girl, and she was going around, and she had on, like, jeans and a t-shirt and, like, oh, a little okay. Pikachu hat, just like a little anime hat, and she got the same level of harassment as if she had been going around wearing, you know, a, like a skin-tight rogue costume from X-Men. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I'm i not always necessarily, I, I think there is a certain amount of that, oh, it's a skin-tight costume, but I, I don't always think it always necessarily maps that way. No, I don't think it, I don't think it always necessarily does. But uh, in this situation, we have, uh, we are... We have this problem as a society in general. Yes. But in in the context of science fiction and fantasy conventions, we have um, we have a laboratory test case, and it's it's uh, it, it's almost artificially exaggerated, and hmm. uh, you are you are pushing uh, you're pushing the experiment to a, a, a logical extreme. Um, you're not going to get away without incidents, and right. it's just it's a it's a pressure cooker for this kind of for this kind of problem. Right. You know that was my observation. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, how could it not be? Yeah. And it is sad for women. As a woman, I think it's very sad that I can't walk around at night and not feel a little bit concerned or I couldn't really wear whatever it is I wanted, I, I recognize if I wear a low-cut shirt, men will be looking at my chest. <laughs> like I realize that, that that's mm -hmm. still a problem. Yet, men can walk around without shirts on, and you're not sexualized by us in the same way. You don't have to worry about 
um, being ogled or harassed or, well, perhaps being ogled, <laughs> depending on how it looks there. <laughs> the problem is they like it. Yeah, well, well, you know, I'm not... They like I, the well, you know, it's a, a, <laughs> I don't a like shirt, it maybe not, but a kilt, you know, on the other hand, and, you know, that could raise I some I have eyebrows. heard fans complaining about getting their kilt flipped up by women, so the, harass, yeah. the harassment does run both ways. It's just a lot more prevalent towards females. And when you when you have a volume of people at a large convention like the Comic Cons, like Dragon Con, Anime Expo, or Anime LA, you're going to the, the higher numbers, the higher percentage you're going to have of these weirdos and perverts, for lack of a better term. I mean, let's just put it out there and call them what they are. That mm-hmm. are going to make it a misery for everybody. So we have to have these policies in place. Yep. And, and I think another point was made, which is that uh, these people are simply socially um, not potty trained. Yes. You know, they don't know. They, they are, challenged. as you said, Dr. Halsell, you said that, the, uh, that these people were socially challenged and were not, were not versed in the ways of dealing with other human beings as human beings. The, the objectification uh, is, is part of the environment. The characters that are being portrayed are fantasy characters, predominantly drawn by men with very active <clears throat> hormones. Uh, and then you have women portraying them. Yeah. And it's just it. It's the whole process just heterodynes. Yeah. So uh, I don't see this necessarily going away, and I no. think that the backup ribbon project is a fabulous idea. Thank you. It is. It's a great idea. It really I, I, is. I would love to see it. You know, put in place at all comic conventions, if at all possible, because it yes. gives people, like, sort of a, a, almost like, almost like the courage, in a way, to come right. forward and say something. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and this is sort of what, what really sparked it for me, is myself and my co-founder, um, one year at Dragon Con, where we were coming back to our hotel room, and it was about, it was about 11 o'clock or midnight, so there was a lot of fans coming in and out of the front lobby, and... I happened to notice a young woman, and she was backed up against the outside wall about 20 feet from the lobby door by what was presumably her boyfriend, just, you know, and he had his hand on, on the wall on either side of her shoulder so she couldn't get out. Oh, my goodness. Screaming in her face. Yeah. And, I mean, at the top of his lungs, and I'm watching these groups of fans come in and out, and I'm thinking, surely these people are hearing this It's 20 feet from the door and we're getting closer and closer and i'm suddenly realizing that nobody is going to stop and help this poor girl that's I don't know disgusting that. because they're they're functioning it's it's the uh it's like the i i think there was a i remember reading the story about a woman who uh who was murdered in new york and all of her neighbors heard and no one came out to look was that the kitty genovese case i think that was it yeah, yeah, and Harlan Ellison actually did a short story based on that. Uh, Whimper of Whipped Dogs, I think, was it. That's the one. Uh, yeah, that's the one. That's the one. But so you know, we're coming closer and closer, and this this woman is clearly she's you know she's just not uh, comfortable. And I finally just I I looked at Bill, and he looked at me, and we said we're going to have to do something. And he started to go over, and I was just like, no, 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 let me let me deal with this. And so I walked up, you know, all five foot overweight two of me and just said (laughs) hey you know can i help you you seem to be you seem to look like you need a little help and it was just enough the out that the girl needed because it startled the guy that she kind of was able to get out from around him 
and we walked her back to her room. And I got to thinking about this afterwards. You know, I'm thinking, do fans just not care? Do they just not care that somebody else who's part of their supposed community is, is being harassed in this way? Do they just not notice? No, I think it's, I mean, it has to be, I, I've actually experienced domestic violence. And I have to say, I was in a mall when, when this occurred. And uh, my boyfriend at the time actually was trying to kill me trying to run me over with a car and nobody was stopping nobody cared and um it's really because that idea in our society that no good deed goes unpunished if you interfere you don't know if the guy's got a gun you don't know if the guy's got a knife or something you don't know what's happening there yeah you don't you don't know anything about that relationship if you get involved you could get hurt and and there's just that sense that if we get involved in something that's not our business, we will then be pulled into something right. that we really can't handle. And um, I think that that's probably where it comes from. But I agree, it's the reason why domestic violence and this basic this harassment that we're talking about is just a, a little bit of a lesser form of that. Um, basically, where women are being marginalized and treated like possessions. Yeah. Right. Um, well, it sounds like in both of those situations, the the level of aggression being displayed was rather overwhelming and it's hard to get over that instinctual oh i want to avoid this and come to their rescue sure yeah i mean ultimately it was a an off-duty policeman who helped me this was 22 something years ago maybe more than that now that i think about it i don't even want to age myself though i just did (laughs) Uh, it was it was decades and decades ago and basically it was an off-duty policeman who saw me and and struggling you know i mean it was literally fighting for my life and uh you know if he didn't if he didn't step in i may not be here talking to you right now right and he had the the training to do it yeah exactly he had enough enough confidence to intercede he even he said he didn't want to step in because he was off duty and he Uh was with his family and his wife told him to just walk away because she didn't want it to become a big thing. She wanted to just go home with her family and have dinner, you know, well, and her husband and is coming to my not, rescue. And he did not have his sidearm, and he did not yeah. have his body armor, or his hey, pepper exactly. spray, or his exactly. radio, or any of that, any of well, the stuff that police talk, depend when on. When you talk to any police officer, they will all tell you the, the same thing. Police officers, firemen, anybody who does EMS services, the one call they really dread is a domestic dispute for exactly yep. that reason reason yep because exactly the the results are unpredictable yep yep yeah well Well, this is a very very tough subject i think because you know we all go to comic con because we have fun we want to have fun you know and it Uh should be okay to dress up as your favorite female superhero and not have somebody comment on your breasts or or your backside or whatever it is that they're trying to to say to a woman and i i think it's just awful um I saw uh, I saw an, a rather interesting post on Facebook the other day. An artist had uh, created a series of drawings of female superheroes dressed in practical clothes. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I've seen those. Let me see if I can find it. Actually, Gene, while you're you're um, looking that up, I'll I'll, I'll tell everybody about. There it, it is. Uh, it it was actually an article on the Mary Sue. Oh, uh, from yeah. Yeah, from April, and uh, a guy named Mike Wasford had done a series of these drawings, and there's one of Satana, one of Wonder Woman, 
uh, one of uh, Psylocke and one of Power Girl, and they're fully clothed. Right. They're fully, they don't have they don't have anything below the collarbone exposed. And you know what? They look fabulous. Yeah. You know, I could I would totally buy books with with superhero women dressed like this. You know, I don't have to have what if this if the stories are good and the characters are strong and they're well designed as obviously these are, I don't need the you know, that that's just how do I phrase this? The the prurient element the TNA. Yeah, the TNA. <laughs> Uh, does not necessarily have to be a component. The fan of a, service of a successful, yeah, <laughs> yeah. of a six uh, fan service, and oh, that goes so many ways. Uh, <laughs> yes, unfortunately. Uh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that one. No, uh, you should. You should have. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> edit. 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 <laughs> Yeah, we have a we have a saying here at Krypton Radio. We'll fix it in post. Post, right? Uh, no, um, there's actually a flip side to that, and it was a fabulous Tumblr, and I'm not sure who put it together, but it's called the Hawkeye Initiative. Oh yes, <laughs> and, and, and it shows all the male superheroes post posed in the same stupid poses that they pose the female. Uh, right. Specifically, it's Hawkeye from from the uh-huh. Avengers that they do it with, and it's various drawings of Hawkeye and all these ridiculous poses. <laughs> and I believe it was at it was an Emerald City Comic Con this year up in um, Seattle. Some guy actually had decided that he wanted to not just cosplay Hawkeye. But he actually cosplayed Hawkeye. <laughs> so there's pictures of him all these ridiculous poses, you know, with his butt up in the air and his back all twisted. <laughs> and it was, oh, it was just a wonderful commentary that's, that's upon you know, the difference that's between fantastic. how female characters get portrayed in, in comic books versus how male characters get portrayed. Mm. This is part of why I wanted to do this show on, on Krypton Radio on the Event Horizon in the first place. I mean, <laughs> I think part of the reason that guys do this is that, uh, you know, they spend all their lives reading comic books or watching television, and they're, they're, they're in their own little encapsulated world. Yes. And they don't think that they are in a moment, in the now. They, are, they, they respond to the representations of the characters they see in the comic books as though they were comic books. Unreal. You, you don't even have to elaborate on that sentence. They don't think says it all. <laughs> they, yes. Seriously. But in, in, in specific, <laughs> uh, they're, not, uh, they're not thinking in terms of these being real people. Uh, they're not able to respond to them yeah. as though they were real oh. people. Yeah. Uh, and, and because they simply lack the understanding that they are, and yeah. I, I think I think having a show like this on the Event Horizon gives the guys uh, a little window into what this is like from the other perspective, and I think that that alone is worth the price of admission for this episode. Yeah, yep, I agree, I agree, but I still, I still, I still hold on to the fact that. You know, when you are doing cosplay and you are dressed in this skin-tight costume, with the exception, of course, the girl with the Pikachu hat, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you just, I'm sorry, but they that is part of what you're, you are in a character. You're, you're a character. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, when I work with 
a lot of uh, the celebrities that I work with, like say James Marsters, for example, I think the biggest thing that I see with fans or, or somebody like John Barrowman is that they believe these people are actually the characters that they play on oh, TV. Boy. And it takes them some time <laughs> to adjust oh, yeah. yes. uh, to the fact that that's not the case. And so yeah. when you have these cosplay people walking around, getting their pictures taken with people and, uh, you know, that is just the general attitude of, of the audience at, at Comic-Con. And so I think there just has to be some some intelligence applied on the part of the ladies, actually, to not... I mean, I've seen cosplayers that... I'm not even sure what character they are, but, but my gosh, the, the, the exposure of their body parts is incredible. And, um, I, you know... I, I'm not judging that at all, by the way. I, I, mm -hmm. You don't have to wear clothes if you don't want to at all, in, in my opinion. But, you know, I, I, you are going to get responses. And, and the particular audience, as a writer, you have to always think about your audience. Yes. And no matter what you perform, audience is important. So when you're looking at your audience and you're a cosplayer who's going to be wearing skin-tight costumes <clears throat> and hanging out your boobs, basically, you, you've got to know that that's coming. And that's that's it. With well, that audience, is, it's happening. This is uh, this is one of the other things I wanted to to, uh, uh, to approach as a subject, which is the fact that uh, as as much as the guys are oblivious to the fact that the people in the costumes are real people, you know, <laughs> who whose whose feet might hurt or who stayed up too late sewing on it, or mm -hmm whose skin is really hurting because they've had to glue themselves into the costume, mm. you know, things like that. Uh, they, they don't think of them in terms of being real people. They think of them in their iconic form. Mm -hmm. And the flip side of that is, of course, that the, the, uh, uh, the girls are often so involved in making their costumes perfect, and in many cases they are absolute perfection. I mean, the craftsmanship is just... I don't even know how they do it. I I'm, I used to do costuming, and I can't sew a seam that straight. Oh my God! <laughs> but but they get so wrapped up in the perfection of it and the craft and the art of cosplay that they forget that there is a, there's a world outside their heads. You know yeah. that is not contained in their head that is going to respond to them in ways they can't control. Well, you know, but the, of course, you the response I think to that is, you might not be able to to control how other people respond, mm -hmm. but you always have control over how you respond to what they what they, what do. they do. Right, exactly. Um, I mean, it's point. just, just it, my point is that they're they're frequently <clears throat> oblivious to the fact that they're going to generate. Uh, there's the potential of generating an unwanted response. So, yeah, unless they're being mentored by someone. I actually. Um, lived with a uh, a masterclass costumer that won two years in a row at San Diego Comic-Con and wow. she made uh, Princess Leia slave outfits for uh, on commission and <laughs> she turned down the request of a 13 year old to have one done because she thought it was inappropriate. Oh wow. And she has a strict policy I will not make this costume for anyone under 18. Good for her. Yeah. Yeah, really. That's that very good. smart. I was applauded her judgment for that. I that I was love a nice move. The, yeah, I love the Princess Leia, the the the, the Princess Leia slave girl, you know, because it, it is so iconic and I love the way that a lot of of 
cosplayers have embraced that and just said, you know, this is, I want to roll with this. Yeah. But, you know, there is kind of a limit. Um, actually, when you mentioned that, there's an interesting story. A friend of a friend of mine did this. He had initially been kind of, you know, he thought that the princess, the princess, uh, uh, slave girl, you know, it was demeaning to the women and this and that and the other. And then he happened to notice uh, there was a group at, I think it was the, the Comic-Con they do in Toronto. Uh And they were basically cross-playing. In other words, all of the women were playing male um, characters and all of the guys in the group were playing the female characters. And he thought, I would really like to do this. And so he decided that he wanted to do as his his character for the cross-play. Slave Leia? Boy Leo, as he referred to it. Oh, that's wonderful. I've seen them at Anime LA or Anime Expo. And he said it was fascinating the response that he got. He said, you know, I'm this guy who has never really thought of myself as a very sexual character, a very sexual person. And now I'm suddenly taking this character who is, you know, such a sexual icon. And I'm attempting to be this character. And he said it was the responses he got was very interesting. Um, so, you know, that's, there's also that side of it too. What kind of, I'm oblivious here. What kind of responses did he get? (laughs) I was just about to ask the same thing. Yeah. He got the kilt checks. He got the women wanting to see if he was regimental, i.e. not wearing the kilt. Um, he got, and the interesting part is the guys all thought it was really cool. The guys Uh all were like, oh, wow, you've really got a pair to be wanting to do this. And it was the women that, you know, really were that he found were kind of making advances and doing that objectification that's in, it so and, it does work both ways yeah I, I definitely well the difference is um is that when a man approaches a woman men and i you know i know women can certainly defend themselves i'm one of those people who can but i'm telling you we don't have the same muscle mass we don't have height so when a man approaches you you are vulnerable no matter what and so there's yeah. a difference in whether a man approaches a woman in that way. If a woman heckles a man or says, hey, baby, can I check under your kilt? You know, <laughs> what, is, what is she going to do to him? Nothing. He might feel embarrassed, but that's about it. She can't, like, forcibly do anything to him, but it's not the same. Right. If, if a no, man has the, does that to a woman, what's the next step? You know what I'm saying? And right. in public it becomes really kind of a problem. If they're willing to do that in public, that's when it gets scary. Yeah. So what are you, uh, what are you doing to prepare for the, the next wave of activity for the backup ribbon project? Oh boy. Um, well, as I had said before we started the show, I am, I have just sent a bunch of ribbons up to Seattle for, with our social media uh, guru, uh, Donna Pryor, she's very much involved in getting women involved in gaming and talking about the issues that go on with women within the gaming community, which is, I, since I'm not a gamer, I don't have a lot of experience with that. I can't really talk much to it, but there's a whole, there's a whole other area of issues that go on with that. The whole, the whole so, fake gate, the fake gamer fake, girl. Fake geek gamer girl is, is just one part of it. Um, you know, the whole business that happened with Anita Sarkeesian. Um, mm. do you, you know who Anita Sarkeesian is, correct? Yes. 
Yeah. I mean, that's all comes out of the mindset about what it means to be a woman involved in the gaming community. But she's got a bunch of the ribbons up in Seattle right now for the um, Tax Prime, which is one of the major gaming conventions up um, up in Seattle. It's one of the big, big ones in the country. So we're kind of starting to make inroads into gaming community. And I love that fact because, you know, I'm wanting this to be able to include the cosplayers and, and the gamers and, you know, anybody who considers themselves in any way, shape or form involved in the geek community. Um, uh, so I think that's probably where we're going to be, you know, where we're going to be focusing next. And of course, we're always looking toward the next big convention that's coming up. Um, Dragon Con is going on uh, this coming weekend, the uh, Labor Day weekend as well, obviously, out in Atlanta. Um, that is the, the single biggest privately run convention on Earth. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's the single biggest one. It's bigger than bigger than San Diego Comic Con by a good mark. Um, actually, San Diego Comic Con gets one hundred and fifty thousand, and Dragon Con gets forty to fifty thousand. Is that all? Dragon Con? I was I was sure it was. It's the other still way. below it's in still numbers. Below. Yeah. It is, okay. but yeah. Dragon Con has a more heinous history involving oh, one of the owners, and oh, so Lord, yes. I stand. I stand corrected. I thought Dragon oh, Con. Dear. I am shocked they have not had a but, sexual harassment pro- policy in place before now. Um, that's right. One of the co-founders of the. I think we wrote an article on this on Krypton Radio. Actually. Yes, and yes. our podcast actually, of course, there's closet uh, discussed it in uh, a prior episode. Yeah, um, and and actually, as a result of the the gentleman in question, who was one of the co-founders, um, there also have been yeah. people who have decided, uh, big name pros who have decided they are not going to attend that convention. Uh, Phil, Phil and Kaya Foglio have. They, oh, they have. Okay, uh, I stand corrected on that. Yeah, and the reason is that. Uh, as you mentioned, they reincorporated yes. Doubt Ed Kramer. It's a yes. force. It's a uh, they. Uh, that was a, a very a ca- smart. It was move. a cash out merger. That was all. Yeah, and and they really had to do that to get just to get that albatross right. they out. Couldn't, from, they couldn't yeah. vote him out because he owned too much stock. So he well, had too much too much control, even though he's in jail. He owned too much stock. Well, they did finally put him away. He dodged the police for a while. Well, he did. He's been in. He's been in jail for a while. Yeah. But he hasn't gone to trial, and he's been using one legal dodge after another to keep from going to trial. He can rot there. Yeah, he he was. He was uh, put in jail up in I think it was Massachusetts, and it's been this big thing to to try to um, to extradite him back to Georgia to stand trial in Georgia, and they finally just got him extradited. They finally got him. He's he's. uh, been in jail on uh, child molestation charges yep. since 2000. Oh yep. my god. Yeah. And they so he's been for... well, considering he's ruined children's lives for life. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. not a lot of time. Um but you know like I said I have to give Dragon Con Concom a, a um you know some major street credit because again finally this year they have a, a very comprehensive harassment policy and I think that's a a great step forward for them. Oh, for sure. You know, the numbers are similar to Wizard World Chicago Comic Con, which we just had in August, or it's still August, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> about about twenty days ago, we 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 had this this Comic Con. It was about fifty to sixty thousand people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and and we did not have see this is this is part of what I think is unique about Wizard World. There there really isn't this problem with with the company, and I think it's because of this real consistency on the floor. You know, no matter where we are, there's the same people, and I just think that there's a, a leadership there that's different than I've seen at any other Comic Con or any other like Horror Con or any of the other sort of conventions that I've I've been at. Um, especially the big ones. That's where it gets a little dicey. San Diego, I know our, our director used to direct for San Diego for two years, and he said no matter what you do at San Diego, people just push forward, you know, yeah. no matter what. They, there's a different mentality about that con, and I think it's got to be the numbers of the people, frankly, um, and how spread out it is as opposed to all being in one sort of encapsulated convention hall where you can whatever whatever they do, uh, they are going to outnumber the convention staff by a thousand to one. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. exactly. There's exactly. way too many numbers. It's too big a place. There's too many cubby holes to hide in. Where there's very few people going by to witness anything. It's it's yeah, it's tough. Yeah, yeah, and and I also think the other problem, particularly with San Diego Comic Con, is that it's really kind of outgrown this space. Yeah. Um, so they doubled the space for the growth, and now they and they keep and it just keeps going and going and going. Um, and part of it is is that obviously um, uh, the Hollywood entertainment industry has figured out that if they've got any sort of product that is remotely geek related, <laughs> or even has a, you know a star in it that that is known to the geek community. Um, you know, package it up and 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 take it down. Con. And it's on, it's come goofy, come. you know that they're they have spent they have invested so much in in doing exactly that sort of thing that Comic Con is just a big media thing. It's not even a geek media thing anymore. In, in a lot That's of exactly it. That's exactly true. That's well, exactly. You know? The studios take it very seriously. We were actually at a premiere of the um, the the reboot of the Bionic Woman and. The cut that we saw there of the premiere was different from what they what they aired eventually. So yeah. they take response there very seriously. Um, what happened when they killed off uh, Daniel's character in Stargate? Uh, uh-huh. The tale well, they told the next uh, the next year. The the vice president of entertainment showed up again and said, "Oh, at least I won't get lynched now because we've we brought Daniel back." But I remember how angry everybody was last year. Right. So you're never going to get Hollywood out of that place because the volume is much. It's it's much too attractive to them. To yeah, you know, and they know that they've got the market is all there in that one space. And compared to say going to a New York Comic Con or Boston. It's so much cheaper just to, you know, drive two and a half hours south down to San Diego. Yes. Yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah, and for all your stars, too, who are all pretty much there um, already. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good, I love that, I love that con, but it is just different. And you mentioned Boston, and that does not have even remotely the same numbers as New York or, or San Diego. I know Nick, who, who runs that, has been doing it for years. Um, it's just a different venue there. Uh, there, it's more comic oriented. Yeah, I, ha- I have a friend who's a comic book artist who has who has uh, been there several times. And and you have to remember, San Diego Comic Con took decades to grow to the behemoth it is now. Yeah, exactly. I yes. went to San Diego Comic Con in 1975, and uh, it was I think they had three and a half thousand people. Oh, my my husband and I have been going maybe for 20 four, years. Maybe four. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's, you know, it. I think it was four, maybe five years ago, they reached a point where they were no longer selling passes, the same-day passes on site. Right. Because the fire marshal came by and said that they had exceeded the capacity for the convention center. You shut it down a couple of times. Yeah, and when you have an environment like that, you know, like like Rebecca says, it it's just so much harder to get a handle on what's happening, you know, everywhere at any one given time. Yeah. Um, it's literally I, become its own city. It, it, it really does. Yeah, that's know? exactly right. Yeah, I think a lot of this is what I've noticed when I've talked to women who've had this happen is a lot of it just happens so fast. And by the time they get over the shock of, oh, my God, somebody grabbed my ass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where does this gone? Uh-huh. I mean, I, I remember the, the last time I went to Comic-Con, which is the last time I'm ever going to Comic-Con, I think, unless they <laughs> want to have me as a panelist. Uh, uh, the most frequently heard words on the convention exposition floor were not, oh, how cool. They were, oh, excuse me. Yeah. Because you just caromed off of somebody. I mean, you oh, don't just, you don't just get jobs. Saturday, we joke it's like the planet Gideon. And for you, people that like classic <laughs> Trek, they will they'll get it. Yeah, the Mark of Gideon. <laughs> yeah. yeah, body to body to body. If, yeah. if somebody bodies. if somebody has a problem, you know, and they fall over, ten people feel it. Yeah, yeah. Because they're we're, they're packed in that close. So yeah, absolutely. And another interesting uh, venue might be Salt Lake City. Oh, which yeah. is a very that there Dan Dan Farr uh, has just put together his first convention and I mean this guy's a dynamo and he's got uh, the local ABC television station, he's got Cumulus Radio behind him uh, and there is a big uh, uh, filmmaking and artist community in Utah, who knew? Yeah, well the Sundance Festival, that's why Yeah, Uh, Yeah. say again? The Sundance Festival Oh, there you go, okay Anyway, uh, they've got 12,000 people uh, signed up already. Wow. Yeah, and their their convention doesn't even start for another couple of weeks. Oh, them in Colorado, they're growing yeah, and, leaps uh, and bounds. Yeah, so they're, they're going to have, like, for their first show, they're going to have eighteen or 20,000 people. And, and, uh, but the reason I brought it up was it is Salt Lake City. You know, this is a this is a, a much more there is a much stronger religious component mm-hmm. in in that part of the country than there are in than there would be in say any other city you wouldn't care to have a comic convention in. I think that's probably right on. You know, you kind of have that. The again, it goes back to the audience. Who's your audience, and what's the tone of that audience? And I think the Sundance Festival kind of bringing in more of those comic book artists and writers, and of course the Hollywood celebrities it's going to be an interesting con i did see that they have a very strict harassment policy too good no i'm I'm always glad to see that yeah that's excellent the next thing i guess would be to find ways to raise awareness of the backup ribbon campaign and and what uh, i'd be interested in what what you're doing to uh to raise awareness of this well, you know, we're doing one of the things that we're doing. Obviously, is we do have the website. Mm-hmm. Um, the we, website is uh, it's uh, http colon slash whatever um, backup ribbon project 
.wordpress.com. Okay, it's, so it's, it's a WordPress site, okay? Yeah, it's a WordPress site. So it's so, backupribbonproject.wordpress.com. Yes. Um, so there's that. I have the Twitter feed that goes along with it, which is at uh, backupribbon. Mm-hmm. Um, I just also put in a Tumblr site, which mostly just kind of is a mirror. So when something gets posted to the website, it also mirrors onto um, the Tumblr. Um, we have the Facebook page, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, and I also have been have been looking at Pinterest so that, you know, people can put up pictures of themselves wearing the ribbon or, you know, if if you have like, you know, a a stormtrooper from the 501st Legion and he's wearing a ribbon because that's a fun picture, things like that. So, you know, we're working with all of that. Um, You know, I'm always open to other and new ways to let people know about what's going on. We've, I've just been floored at the success that we've had that started as a crazy harebrained scheme that Bill and I had that, you know, was just a, wouldn't it be nice if, and just seeing the response has been just crazy and overwhelming. I I think there are a lot of very strong voices in the science fiction and fantasy community that could be probably brought together to, to make this an even stronger force for good. Well, you know, it's interesting that you say that because I, I have a goal and, and I have a dream. And, and mm-hmm. I'm hoping what I would like is probably by next year sometime to actually be able to get backup ribbons to both Will Wheaton and Felicia Day. Because the two of them, more than anybody else that I can think of, have just been amazing forces for discussing this issue within the geek community talking about it not being afraid to just you know uh, uh, you know uh, uh, be in that video that you mentioned rebecca and and really put their voices out there and saying you know hey this kind of behavior is not cool people have come to these events to have fun and to have a good time and doing this sort of thing yeah no so i'd love to be able to get ribbons to the two of them and you know mm-hmm get some feedback but uh, you know that's that's i think i have to to work a little bit more on my contacts to be able to do that but i'd love to be able to get some things out to some top people i think our production manager kat carter has access to john scalzi's press agent so we might be able to we might be able to get a ribbon to him Hmm. you know and john scalzi would be another one because he's a Again, more on the literary side of mm-hmm. conventions, he's been another one who's just... Well, and this is where science fiction comes from. You, know, you could book. also reach out to them on Twitter with a direct message. Um, yeah. See I, if they I, respond, it can't hurt. But, you know, the thing is is that they get, these guys get so many messages that I, you know, I'm afraid I will get lost in the, in the back chatter. Although I will say one of the guys who's... who's been a big proponent of ours is um, Jim Hines, who's another science fiction writer who um, is, again, very, very big into, you know, stopping domestic violence, um, women's self-defense and that sort of thing. And he has a, a running list of ver- that he updates every year, every, I think, few months on his blog, on his website of 
various organizations that you can contact, and we are one of those organizations. So, yay, I'm very excited about that. Here's and here's I- a suggestion uh, <clears throat> because I'm on the um, the the committee for Gallifrey One. My husband and I are running the blood drive. Right. Uh, I'm aware that they have a new orientation for first time con goers. <clears throat> And I'm sure a lot of other conventions have that. You could approach them. You know, I'd love to get a chance to... Uh, Sean is actually an old friend of mine, the, the the fellow who actually runs Gallifrey One. And I'd love to get a chance to... I, I actually do need to sit down and talk with him and see what can be done about that. Um, because he's been, you know, a big supporter of the sorts of things that we're doing. But... You can you can email him at his at the Gallifrey One yeah. Twitter site. He replies to every single. Uh, oh, I know. Every he's, single post. He's, he's been great about that. I, I think it's interesting though when you mention about the big names. I think you you're so starting to see more of you know it's not just fans talking about it, but it's actually the pros. Um, you know when when people see things like that amazing video that. Sir Patrick Stewart did for Amnesty International. Oh, I saw that. Talking right. about, that was amazing. In this household of constant domestic abuse and constant domestic violence, and people sit there and they're like, Captain Picard? I mean, literally, that's the reaction. And, you know, I'm never one of these people that objectifies actors that way. I live with an actor. I can't afford to. <laughs> that video was intense. He had a very difficult time talking about and, that. And he, he had such difficulty talking about it, but he knew how important it was to do so and to reach out to people and just, you know, say, hey, this has got to stop. We can't have this going on. Um, and then there was a follow-up video. I don't remember which convention that he was at. He was at a con, and it was a Q&A session, and some woman stood up and had a domestic violence story of her own to tell him, and he kind of shared a little bit more about of, of his growing up experience. You know, you see those sorts of things. You see more pros talking about this, and I think it definitely lends validity to the issue. Yes, and it, make, it creates awareness, definitely. Mm-hmm. 100%. And, you know, if you if you can, maybe you can get in touch with me in some way and get me some information that I can pass along to, to somebody like Will Wheaton. I, I can't make promises, of course, oh, I, you know, but I do I do know him and I do see him yeah. probably once a month or so. I, I'm not sure if he'll be at Columbus uh, Comic-Con or the Ohio Comic-Con with me, but um, he may be in Nashville. I think I'll see him in October in yeah. Nashville. Yeah. Um, so, so, and Billy D. Williams will be, it's like a ton of people that will be there. Kevin Sorbo, I think, would be, he's one of the, my people. He's one of the guys that I think would really sort of speak out about something like this. So yeah. maybe that's something we can talk about. Yeah, we can definitely talk about that offline. Um, you know, I just, Will Wheaton, to me, I just, if I ever got a chance to meet him, I want to just thank him, mm-hmm. not for all of the stuff he's done for the for the geek community, but just for having gone into the experience that he had to go through as a child actor on Next Generation, where the fans just, they went from hating the character to hating him. Oh, no, no I, that's true. Actually, that's true. The, just, I mean, I, I distinctly remember this, that, you know, I wasn't that crazy about the character, but, you know, whatever. But there were people that just went to hating him. Yeah, I, I just, they and they do, they project. And uh, I was seeing tweets from him last week about uh, uh, how some troll 
was trying to uh, shame him in public by comparing him to 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 Wesley, and uh, it did not go well for the troll. No, no. <laughs> Will knows how to handle himself, and uh, well, he it's... does, and he's he's an awfully good man. He's a nice man. He's a great dad, good husband. He's a really good person, and that's part of what you're talking about. How people began to hate him because they didn't like the character, and it's sort of you know projected. That's part of what's happening with with the her- sexual harassment at Comic Con with with these female cosplayers, and pretty much any woman out there. Somehow there's a disconnect between who a real person is and who their character is. <gasps> yeah, and very yeah. strongly. I think there's. I think it has to do with the fact that. They are working hard to present an image of a fantasy character uh, mm-hmm. that is, you know, to the to the un- underdeveloped male observer, uh, is more accessible than a real woman. Yeah, you know, it plays into this this fantasy concept of of what a woman is supposed to be. You know, she's supposed to have the skinny little waist and the and the big boobs, and and you know twist her back in the ridiculous poses that they, that they always put her in the comic books. Yeah, we have a song on Krypton Radio called uh, Amazon Babe from Another Dimension oh, that <laughs> sort of underscores this and how like how you know these, these two guys uh, do a magic ritual in a graveyard and they open a portal to another universe and yeah, they get their Amazon Babe from Another Dimension but she doesn't it doesn't work out it's the way they planned. It's not a picnic for them. <laughs> I love that. It's song. not what they expected at all, <laughs> and and it's it's the same sort of thing. I mean, guys yeah. look at guys see carefully constructed imagery, and they see what they're meant to see—a carefully constructed image—and it's supposed you're supposed to buy into it because that's the point of 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 me, iconic media, right. and they do and. That's where they get in trouble. Well, you know, well, men are more bit. Sorry, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I was going to say there's kind of an offshoot of that, which, which is the with the advent of fandom having come, you know, into the internet age, where it's not like it was twenty some odd years ago, back when I was a youngster. Um, nowadays, you know, it doesn't matter where you live in the world; you can go online and you can find other fans and you can connect. But I think there's also a real disconnect between this person that exists on the internet and what this person really is in reality. There is. Um, oh, there I, is. I, yeah, absolutely. I know, for instance, with the with the Anita Sarkeesian is a perfect example. Somebody out there made some sort of these this video game which featured like a picture of her face, and as you played the game, you could basically punch her in the face and then <laughs> like her face was more and more bruised and beaten up as the game was going on. And I realized as I'm reading about this, I thought to myself, these guys would walk by Arnita Sarkeesian on the street and they would not make that connection. That no, this, that because game- she's a total fantasy figure by the time she's in that costume. Right. You know, that this gay man they've got of this woman that they want to project their rage upon is that person that just walked past them on the street. Unless she was wearing, like, a badge that said, Hi, I'm a Nuna Sarkeesian. And even they then they might not connect it. Yeah. And you and know, even because it's an, it's, a, it's, an icon, it's an iconic image. Right, right. And then I and, think I think that's 
uh, I think that's really the heart of the problem. We are going to continue to have this problem, and that's why I think the backup ribbon project is so important. There has to be a counterpoint to that conversation. Right. Um, you know, and I know from my perspective, the other side of it is is that I have people that come to me and say, well, you know, I don't feel comfortable, you know, confronting somebody or I don't know, you know, I don't have, don't like physical violence. And I always have to say, you know, it's not, doesn't have to be about that. Maybe you can sit with the person after the incident so that they don't feel alone or can run and go get somebody, you know, somebody in charge to help. There's so many ways to just be able to, to just say, hey, you know, I saw this happen and I'm not just going to stand by and let, you know, and let it go unnoticed. Actually, ladies, that would be really good to put on your website is alternatives to helping. You don't have to go up and punch the guy in the face. Right. All the things you're suggesting. Helping comes I'm in different I'm sure forms. somebody would love to look at just a list of suggestions. Because these are things I would never think of. Mm-hmm. But I would definitely want to do. You know, I mean, I'm the person who has no problem walking up to the six foot four bald-headed guy with piercings and tattoos. I I have no problem doing that. And busting him in the in the kneecaps. <laughs> <laughs> Just talking him down. Uh-huh. I've done that. Yeah. Um, I know, face down abusers, too, and they've raised their fists to me, and I've, I've stood up to them. Yeah. Um, but I recognize that other people may not feel comfortable doing that. Um, and, you know, the, the to, to kind of lighten the story one of the best stories that i got back this i had to die laughing this woman had told me the story about she uses a mobility scooter and she was at dragon con and she was trying to get through the lobby to the elevator to get back to her hotel room and it was very crowded and people were starting to shove into her and you know her her chair started to rock back and forth and all of a sudden out of nowhere these four Klingons showed up and start and kind of surrounded her chair and started yelling for people to get out, you know, in Klingon fashion, yelling for people, you know, to get out of the way so that she could get through. And they opened up a path and she was able to get through. And I read that story and I went, now there's a perfect example of stepping in and giving somebody the backup that they need while still maintaining the fun aspect of it, you know, because they were doing it all in character as Klingons. And I just, I love that idea of just these, you know, this Klingon escort brigade suddenly coming up and gently cajoling people to please step aside (laughs) (laughs) so that this woman could get through. But, um, I mean, you're right, Rebecca, that's, you know, I think it is important to emphasize that, and I do try to emphasize it, and it may be something that I want to turn into its own separate blog post just to, you know, just to let people know that it doesn't... I always tell people don't don't make it go to physical violence because then there's paperwork and I'm here to tell you nobody at convention wants to do paperwork. (laughs) 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 Or incident reports or (laughs) Yeah, you don't want to have to make people do paperwork. It just doesn't it it, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you won't be you won't be terribly popular if you do that. But um, I was what I was gonna say or add when Jean was talking about um, sort of how men respond to these these images, it, you know, it's really actually a physiological thing because the way your brains are wired, it's, it's really brain chemistry, you are much more visual. And, you know, this is not a general, I mean, it's a general statement, but it's actually true. Men respond more to visuals than women do 
especially when it comes to sex, which is why sex sells. It's, it's why sex is so prevalent in media, right. in television, in commercials, in movies. Uh, Fifty Shades of Grey is the best example of oh. that. And, yeah, <laughs> they're hardwired that way for the perpetuation of the species. Yes. That is that is a book I refuse to pick up. By the way, <laughs> I don't even want to get started on that because otherwise Jean's going to have to edit out forty five minutes of <laughs> <laughs> for the after hours Corsair Closet podcast. <laughs> oh well, maybe you will read one of my naughty novels one day. They're coming out next year. They're better than Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, should I not have said that? <laughs> Send me a link. Oh, well, you know, they come out next year. I will definitely send you a copy. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I send us links. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll thump them. <laughs> the books. I, I thought you were going to say hump the books. No. <laughs> no. no. Reddit point. Reddit point. <laughs> Fix it in post. Mm-hmm. All right. It's a, it's, <laughs> <laughs> fix it in post. Um, <laughs> Tina, is there a, it, Tina Bachak, uh, co-founder of the the Backup Ribbon Project? Is there anything else you'd like to add before we close close out the show for the day? Um, you know, just as I as I had just emphasized, this is you know this is something that. It seems so simple and it seems so self-evident that fans would want to do this for each other. And I think that having this ribbon gives fans kind of a rallying point in a way. And I think that's what's been the most the most rewarding about it for me is just the the amount of positive response that I've gotten to it. Tina Bachock, uh, co-founder of the Backup Ribbon Project, Dr. Rebecca Housel, the pop culture professor, and Christine Cherry, producer and host of The Corsair's Closet on Krypton Radio. Thank you all for joining me on this special edition of The Event Horizon. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much. Very mutual. You have been listening to episode 29 of Krypton Radio's weekly production of The Event Horizon for September 6th, 2013. Our guests this week have been the forward-thinking Tina Bachok, co-founder of the Backup Ribbon Project, a returning guest, Dr. Rebecca Housel, the pop culture professor, and the energetic and creative Christine Cherry, producer and host of The Corsair's Closet here on Krypton Radio. The Backup Ribbon Project is fans helping fans protect themselves against harassment at fan events and conventions. You can find out more about the Backup Ribbon Project by visiting backupribbonproject.wordpress.com. This episode will air again on Sunday, September 7th at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. The Event Horizon title sequence was written and produced by Gene Turnbow. The part of the science officer was played by renowned science fiction illustrator Mark Schurmeister. The part of the engineer was played by fandom dignitary Christian B. McGuire. The navigator was played by Corsair's closet producer Christine Cherry, and the role of the captain was voiced by science fiction writer Larry Nevin. This program and its contents are copyright 2013 by Krypton Media Group. Stay tuned for more great music and tonight's episode of X-1. The Event Horizon. It's sci-fi for your Wi-Fi. <laughs>